Hello and welcome to another new episode podcast. I'm Mark Gray. And I am Stephen. So, I hope you're well. So, today, Stephen, we're going to be talking about what? Today, we're going to be talking about what happens if you've got your diet and exercise sorted, your, let's imagine your social network, so the people that you surround yourself with is great, um, all, you know, they're all good people to help you towards what you're trying to achieve when we're talking about weight loss. And you're, you know, you've got your psychology sorted. So your brain and everything you're thinking about, things like that are all um, congruent with what you actually you're trying to achieve, but you still can't lose weight. Right. So basically you are doing everything that you feel is needed to lose weight. You're doing everything right. You're um, working out very hard. You are, um, you feel so like you're working out in the correct way. So, yeah. okay. Using resistance work and maybe some, uh, interval tr- type training as well you're ticking all the boxes but you are simply not losing weight and when we say not losing weight we're we talking not losing fat as well or just specifically just weight we're, we're talking we're always talking uh, fat but uh, yes that would apply to it's easier if someone knows that that they have you know like we have a, our uh, bedford and milton Keynes personal training studios um we have our body fat machine a machine that tells us if it's if it's fat you're losing or and muscle your muscle tone you're keeping or if it's just muscle you're losing but yeah we'll be we'll be talking weight so if you've only got a normal set of scales at home um and you, the best thing you can do actually to complement the weighing of the scales is to use tape measurement right. so if your tape measurements you know you're basically if you're not coming down in size right okay so everything else is is how it should be but it's simply the results are not coming we're going to be discussing what can be done. What's the next thing to look at? What, right. it, what you should look at. Okay. Anyway, moving on. So the, the thing to look at, if you've got all those box ticks like we talked about, is your stomach. That's literally the next best thing to look at. Particularly, now, this is very applicable. Whenever we do um, these podcasts, we're thinking about um, our clients and the people that we meet and what can benefit them. So when a, a lot of uh, people we meet and a lot of our clients have a history of maybe um, doing certain diets, doing different things where it's resulted in binging and eating um, unhealthy sorts of foods for a lump, you know, over time, um, then that's not, that's why the stomach's such a great thing to look at to try and um, improve and to try and fix actually. So when you say look when at I the stomach, stomach, I say stomach, I say GI. Right. Okay. So basically just f- for for you listening, when Stephen says stomach, he doesn't mean literally look at your stomach. He's talking about how your stomach feels and how it reacts to certain things. Okay. Well, yeah, because your body responds to everything that you put in your mouth. So um, they there is that saying about um, you wouldn't feed a Ferrari, you know, rubbish fuel, and they they talk about that being the same as um, food. But that's not actually necessarily strictly true because literally anything you put in your in your mouth actually has um, has an impact the, in the GI tract. So we're talking about um, the GI system. So in your actual um, digestive tract, you've actually got more independently, you've got a, a completely independent nervous system, which basically means in layman's terms, your body will respond to everything you put in its mouth. So if you want to look at it simply, it will either respond in a good way or a bad way. Does that make sense? Uh, repeat that. So basically, you're saying that your stomach can kind of be, or can kind of be um, thought of as separate. Explain yeah, that bit again. The whole GI. So the whole what's um, GI? 
gastrointestinal. There we go. Every- I don't want to get too. But are you saying GI? So we need to know. Yeah. So basically, anything you put into your mouth that enters the GI system has an impact on on either a good or a bad impact. So go into a bit more depth about what it can do, but just the fact that. So you see, I just want to interject. I just wanted to. Um, um, speak to the listener now. You obviously see my role is to try and um, tame Stephen's scientific geeky language so that it's uh, understood by by most of us. Because sometimes he can come out with words that are you know very uh, fine for for people in the in the know, but not most people wouldn't know that a GI tract stands for gastrointestinal and all tract. Okay, just want to point that out to people and uh, apologize on behalf of Stephen and he's going to try and speak in a more um, uh, accessible language. I should just really speak in the way I have to speak to you for you to understand it anyway, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> so anyway, that that um, actually comes into being because 70% of your body's entire immune system is actually housed in the GI tract. So gastrointestinal i can't just say stomach because that's not true and then i'll have someone pull me up on it saying it's well, not actually let's, the let's stomach. Re- basically anywhere where food is digested so your intestine small intestine large intestine stomachs um throat everything like that so it's a whole system whole gi so let's put the caveat then we are going to refer to it as a stomach but it includes all of those things that you just mentioned okay yes that's right. So 70% of your immune system is actually housed in your stomach. So that's why it makes sense that when people eat poorly, say Easter, Christmas and things, eat lots of sugar and things like that, that can actually lower your immune system. So actually when you talk about disease management and fighting against disease, what you eat can become so important because your immune system is obviously what your body naturally uses to defend itself against all of these things that attack us day to day. Right, that makes sense. That makes much more sense now. So there's quite a few um, different things that can actually impact um, the GI tract negatively because it therefore makes sense that you're you're looking at what you're doing that is positive or negative towards your own GI tract, e.g. stomach, sorry. So what you're doing that can negatively affect your stomach because by negatively affecting your stomach, you are negatively affecting your fat loss efforts. So when you say what you're doing, you mean what you're eating. What you're Basically, eating we're looking at what you're eating. So this is where we're actually moving on to food intolerances because food intolerances or food sensitivities can have a massive impact on um, what your body does. So when I talked about what negative things you can do that actually impact your stomach, food, the foods that you eat would be the biggest thing. Right, so... Ever- Putting it down into, um, like you say, layman's terms, everything you eat is either going to be positive for your body or negative for your body. Correct. And it's not as simple as... Um, yeah, and everyone's different. That's the point, I think, that needs to be made as well, is that something that uh, you could eat and that I could eat would have a different reaction in my body. And we've had tests done, actually, that even um, genetically identical twins have different um, intolerances for different foods and that's because obviously we haven't eaten exactly the same throughout our lives so that's going to be even more apparent between people you know people who aren't twins well this is the thing as well because people i think will automatically think well surely i just have to eat healthily you know healthy foods 
um, won't cause a, a reaction in my body. Therefore, they can't be negatively affecting fat loss, can they? Which is not actually strictly true. Like Mark said, we've both had intolerance tests. Actually, we've had them done three times now, I think, haven't we? And they change. Basically, what happens is your body can develop intolerances, sensitivities, by... Um, by you can be overdoing something, so eating something too much over time, that can um, you can develop intolerances, and actually simply from being a child, you can have developed them from. You could actually um, be genetically intolerant to um, to certain foods. So it, unfortunately, it's not as simple as just saying, "All right, I'll just eat healthily." I mean, obviously, that will that has a massive impact. But we're like we said at the beginning, we're talking about people that have all those boxes ticked uh, ticked and find that things still aren't working quite correctly. So then ask yourself this, are you doing what you believe is um, correct for weight loss, fat loss, um, and are you still not losing weight? Now the next question is to ask, how do you feel after eating food and certain foods? You know, you, it's what start you need to be start being conscious it was just kind of brought home to me actually a lady i was listening i don't think she was even she was outside she was outside somewhere i was just overhearing a conversation being a not peeping tom that's the wrong word but um <laughs> basically she was saying how she feels so good now um and then ate some bad food i think it was on a friday night or whatever and then felt so terrible that is how she must have felt all the time because she used to eat those foods all the time. She said she just didn't realise that that's obviously how she felt. Mm. She didn't, didn't you know, because she felt like that all the time, she just assumed that was normal. Well, the thing is, food sensitivities or um, reactions can have actually been linked, and this is scientifically been linked to among loads of different others, but like asthma, allergies, autoimmune disorders, skin conditions, arthritis, mood disorder, disorders. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever overdone it on gluten and then the next day felt pretty miserable i have had that experience before and literally i felt no drive no energy nothing that next day my day was ruined i, I was literally no good to anyone but also um so mood disorders like i said weight gain add adhd and actually loads more have all been linked scientifically to food sensitivities or food uh, reactions okay so how can you, what can you do about this? Well, like we said, we've had intolerances tests and the problem being we were very fortunate we had them done as part of some courses we went on, but they are very expensive and not particularly um, easy to get. I mean, we can actually get them done from a certain laboratory that we're linked with if you really wanted to get them done, but there are easier ways and something we're actually introducing to all our clients in Bedford and Milton Keynes with the option actually is uh, something called an elimination diet. Uh, now, don't link the word diet with lots of different things. This is not uh, a cutting of calories or cutting down on anything. All we're trying to do is, all the point of an elimination diet is to find out what foods you are actually intolerant to. Because, like Mark says, everyone's going to be intolerant in different ways or sensitive to different foods. So, um, it's quite a... It's quite a um, sensible thing to do. It's basically a short-term thing to find out for you in the longer term. Exactly right. It's not, you know, it's not like um, a diet in terms of Weight Watchers or anything like that. It's just to find out what is affecting your body negatively, and like you, like Steve said, all of those different um, symptoms can be caused by it, um, 
and then for the long term finding out what what you can what you can have that doesn't what you can eat that doesn't and there's always loads more that you can have than you can't Mm. but it's just being able to know what it is that um upsets your stomach or or causes issue for you well the premise is that you're removing common allergic um allergic foods or allergen creating foods and uh putting them back in strategically so you're basically becoming more aware of how foods make you feel and therefore you then end up with a probably a hopefully a small list of foods that really aren't um good for you personally to eat it's actually it's be about a a three week slash four week process we're going to be doing with all our uh, with anyone that wants to do it client wise in bedford or milton Keynes. um but we're, we're actually currently in the process of developing a whole um structure for it so that'll be coming in you know a few weeks um, but it'll be really beneficial for anyone that has ever thought that oh I don't feel great after that type of food or that type of food or who wonders why their progress isn't as fast as they think it should be and has ever um, felt that bloating or um, gas type feeling. Right. So how do you do it? Well, like, like we said, it's a case of removing lots of common allergen um, forming foods, things like gluten, um, and some surprising things that you wouldn't actually think of. Some people love a bit of soya milk, um, which we've, I think we've mentioned opinions on soya milk, but simple things like that. When even people think they're having healthy foods that they can actually, the, the thing being just because a food you're intolerant to doesn't make it unhealthy. It just make means that for you, it causes a negative reaction in your body and it doesn't make you a bad person. It just literally makes you means that um, maybe at some stage you've eaten too much of it or for whatever reason, you're just not able to to have it and not create a, a negative reaction in your body. So the key with it is to obviously not remove everything at once because you just don't know which it's like anything. You just don't know which one it would be. So you want to choose one of the main um, common allergens, like you said, which would be gluten. So thinking like pastas and and breads and, and things like that containing gluten containing foods that would be a, a good option to start with um also dairy could be another good option um you start with that as well or, or do that after you've done the gluten um another option would perhaps be um actually mush weirdly mushrooms have been quite a quite common allergens um uh, and you don't think about them to be honest but they are quite often an allergen so that could be another one as well but this is very important as well um to kind of think about because this would actually help you greatly in the quest for a flatter stomach because like with uh, any sort of inflammation in your body or anything that your body doesn't really like it creates the stress hormone cortisol and the stress hormone cortisol like we've talked in quite a few different podcasts encourages fat storage around your stomach so Interesting case in point, um, there's a chap at the Bedford DVCC who is very lean, actually, very lean, um, but he always was storing fat around his stomach. That was the only place, pretty much, because he doesn't have around much his belly fat button, wasn't it? around anywhere else, around his belly button. And that is, like Stephen says, very commonly due to an intolerance. And he did or does have intolerances to a few different things, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And actually, um, by giving him glutamine, um, the supplement that helps repair his stomach, his stomach body fat specifically has gone down a whole load, um, like 
five millimeters five, five millimeter bit maybe a bit more five millimeters when which is a lot for a, a lot when considering it was only if you look 16 at it 16 millimeters wasn't it? if you look at it percentage it's um percentage uh, points it's gone down pretty almost a half i think um in terms of dropping fat from that area so that's great um but yeah are we, are we going to suggest people try this and 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 do it now we're going to suggest people um, not necessarily try it straight away. If you're a client of any of the DVCCs, then it's going to be become available in the next few weeks. But I want you to start thinking about what foods do, how they make you feel, and then strategically taking those foods out away from your body for at least probably two weeks, and then reintroducing them for one day, noting how you feel. And if you're feeling bad after you've had that food, then it's just one of those foods that you just really is not going to allow you to lose body fat because it's kind of working against body fat, even if it's a healthy food. Even if you're not a client of, um, of any of the centres, just give us an email or, um, or comment uh, under this podcast and let us know, and we'll, we'll be able to help you as much as we can um, from afar. So just just don't think that it's just for our clients. We're always trying to help as many people as we can. So um, this is quite a uh, frequent issue with people. So, so do... Do comment and and see. It might well be this could be your um, your stumbling block block, particularly when there's so much um, media attention around detoxes and people. So many different people trying to detox. There is no better way of basically a detox is taking um, things that are bad for your body out. But this is the most effective form of detox by a long way. Exactly. So, like I said, comment below and we will catch up with you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.